this is Lori Power, Director of Faith Formation and Discipleship at Christ the Redeemer Parish, and welcome to Talking Saints. I'm here today with my co-host, Pete Sanchez, reporter for the Catholic Star Herald. How are you today, Pete? I'm doing well, Lori. Glad to be here again with you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's Advent. We're heading towards Christmas. Love it. Yeah, we're here on the, uh, can we mention that we're talking on the Feast of St. Andrew the Apostle? Sure! Uh, One of my favorites. Yeah? Who I do love, uh, St. Andrew. Um, Well, that would make sense, brother of St. Peter. Yes. He's not, well, I feel like he's my spiritual brother. Oh, nice. um, He's pretty awesome. Uh, But we're going to talk about somebody today who was kind of in the same vein as St. Andrew, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, so we'll just spend a few minutes talking about today, St. Francis Xavier, and how his example can inspire us. Because as Pope Francis reminds us, to be saints is not a privilege for the few, but a vocation for everyone. But before we get to Francis Xavier, we are still celebrating the year of St. Joseph. Almost to the end, but it's a little bit sad. It's a little bittersweet, Pete. It is. It's been a good year to uh, contemplate this man, this uh, this silent figure, this silent role model for uh, Jesus and Mary. Um, I'm happy for all the graces I feel like I've received from just mm. learning about him throughout this year. I underwent the consecration to St. Joseph. That's true, me too. Yeah. Yes. So I would recommend that to anybody. Yeah, uh, to you don't do. have to do it just during the year of St. Joseph. No, there's <laughs> you can do just that a anytime. Lot. Yeah, so and just um, I'm excited for uh, the church to get to know. I'm excited that the church has gotten to know St. Joseph mm. more. And I'm excited for more people, too. And I'm grateful for Pope Francis uh, instituting that last year. Yes. So since we're still celebrating, we're going to pray the litany to St. Joseph one more time here on Talking Saints. And we're using the USCCB, uh, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops version. So um, follow us along. Follow along. And I think, Lori, you're going to start us off, right? Yes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Christ hear us. Christ graciously hear us. God the Father in heaven. Have mercy on us. God the Son, Redeemer of the world. Have mercy on us. God the Holy Spirit. Have mercy on us. Holy Trinity, one God. Have mercy on us. Holy Mary. Pray for us. Saint Joseph. Pray for us. Illustrious Son of David. Pray for us. Light of Patriarchs. Pray for us. Spouse of the Mother of God. Pray for us. Guardian of the Redeemer. Pray for us. Pure Guardian of the Virgin. Pray for us. Provider for the Son of God. Pray for us. Zealous Defender of Christ. Pray for us. Servant of Christ. Pray for us. Minister of Salvation. Pray for us. Head of the Holy Family. Pray for us. Joseph Most Just. Pray for us. Joseph Most Chaste. Pray for us. Joseph Most Prudent. Pray for us. Joseph Most Brave. Pray for us. Joseph Most Obedient. Pray for us. Joseph Most Loyal. Pray for us. Mirror of Patience. Pray for us. Lover of Poverty. Pray for us. Model for Workers. Pray for us. Glory of Family Life. Pray for us. Guardian of Virgins. Pray for us. Cornerstone of Families. Pray for us. Support in Difficulties. Pray for us. Comfort of the Sorrowing. Pray for us. Hope of the Sick. Pray for us. Patron of exiles. Pray for us. Patron of the afflicted. Pray for us. Patron of the poor. Pray for us. Patron of the dying. Pray for us. Terror of demons. Pray for us. Protector of the Holy Church. Pray for us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Hear us, O Lord. 
Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. He made him master of his house. And ruler of all his possessions. Let us pray. O God, who in your inexpressible providence were pleased to choose St. Joseph as spouse of your most holy mother, grant, we pray, that we who revere him as our protector on earth may be worthy of his heavenly intercession, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wow, beautiful litany, isn't it, Pete? It is. It is. It's a... well, I think it's something, you know, we, we, uh, we're doing it during the year of St. Joseph, but I think we can really do it anytime. That's true. I mean, he's the, he's the patron. He's, I think they call him the universal patron. So exactly. <laughs> if you need him to intercede for anything, you can go to St. Joseph. Yeah. And he reminds me that I constantly need to just be quiet and uh, mm. be still and trust in the Lord. Absolutely. Follow his plan, even if we don't understand it at first, perhaps. No. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks again to St. Joseph. You're the man. And we're going to talk about another man. It is December 3rd, right? Yes. Uh, well, we're, we're, we're recording, recording this on St. Andrew. We're recording for December 3rd. I, sorry. Um, I, I mentioned too many saints. Maybe not. We're talking saints. Never we can't, enough saints. Exactly. Yeah, no. Okay. Um, who are we talking about today, Lori? St. Francis Xavier, okay. who I'm sure you have a bit of a devotion to, being Jesuit-educated, right, Pete? I do, yes. <laughs> I had known about him. Um, I went to St. Joseph's University, and uh, we did learn about Xavier. And uh, he, um, Spanish, uh, Spanish-born in uh, in the 16th century. So he, he's really, um, he I, a, I didn't know he, as much uh, you know, this is why I enjoy doing this, because mm. we learn about who these individuals are. That's true. And he was so, right there at the beginning with St. Yeah, Ignatius. So, he, yeah, one of the founders of the Jesuits. So you have him to thank for the yeah. <laughs> university where you studied, right? Yeah, I, I do. I thank <laughs> him. Well, he was born in Navarre, Spain on April 7th, 1506. He completed studies in Spain, um, and then he traveled to Paris at the age of 19. That's right. Uh, he and this was, is where he let's met. see, he was the youngest in his family. Oh. It looks like he had, he was the fifth child of uh, fairly wealthy, but also pious parents. And interestingly, the castle he resided in as a child still stands, part of it still stands today, and it's in the possession of the Jesuit order. So that's pretty amazing that they have the place where he lived as a child um, that can still be visited today. So yes, so I guess we don't know too much about his childhood other than he seemed to um, do well in his studies and was able to leave around the age of 19 to travel to Paris, right, to study there. And this is where he, uh, and then this is where he met, uh, Faber would have it, he befriended St. Peter Faber and St. Ignatius of Loyola. And uh, both Faber and Xavier and Ignatius became part of the first seven men who uh, began the uh, Society of Jesus. And the other ones were, I'm sorry for butchering these names, James <laughs> Lainez, Alfonso Salmeron, Nicholas Bobadilla, and Simone Rodriguez. Right. Um, well, we're thankful to them, too. We are. We are. And uh, Though it seems that um, Ignatius was pretty um, convincing in his <laughs> tactics. Apparently... Um, Francis Xavier was hesitant at first. He was not necessarily ready to uh, give up. His plan was to 
you know, become a scholar, be supported by the church. And that was apparently a fairly comfortable life. So Ignatius, who had a radical conversion, was basically asking his friends to just yield their lives to Christ, abandon their own plans, and just do whatever the Lord had in store for them for their lives. And I guess that's a lot to ask when your studies are going well. I think he had finished a master's degree pretty quickly. He was already... um, teaching as a philosophy professor so to give that up is that's definitely um a sacrifice but when he reached his decision apparently the text of genesis 12 1 crossed his mind and he thought of um that passage where it says leave your country your people and your father's household and go to the land i will show you so that gave him sort of an inkling of what was to come in his life and also encouraged him to take up Ignatius's um, invitation to, to do something radical for Jesus. As we'll see, he went to many lands. Yes. <laughs> um, he, uh, he, when he, after being ordained with Ignatius, he uh, was assigned, actually, he was appointed, I should say, the King of Portugal, John III, to evangelize uh, in the East Indies. And interesting, so he went to Goa, India, and he started out, it sounds like it started in April 1541. He began the sale and didn't get there until right. May 1542. Wow. So do we have anything on those 11 months, Lori? Uh, not that I know of. I guess it was just tough um, traveling by sea. Though what was interesting to me, even before they set out, um, it seemed that sometimes these religious communities or orders would have difficulty gaining the approval of the church or the approval of the Pope. But it seems like they went to Rome and Pope Paul III approved the formation in 1540. So they didn't have to wait too long. So it's almost, you would seem, it would seem like God's hand was on this. Like we needed missionaries to get out there (laughs) and share the gospel. And he didn't waste any time. Right. But there's nothing much about the travels, but I did find a quote he had written to, his fellow Jesuits after he had arrived at the end of a journey. And it seemed like traveling by ship at that time was pretty, pretty perilous. So um, he wrote to them in this life, we find our greatest comfort living in the midst of danger. That is if we confront dangers solely for the love of God. So he's just reminding them that, yeah, it's dangerous, but if we're doing it for the love of God, we can find peace even amidst all the difficulties. You could say that he had a fearless faith. I would say and, so. Uh, I think about that, <laughs> and he, um, I pray for that too. You know, that's uh, that's a good uh, that's a good thing to have, for especially sure. during these times now. I think some of his natural gifts also helped him. He was described as being a people person, so everywhere he went, he had a certain enthusiasm, and people were drawn to that. So I think that helped in his yeah. missionary work as well, right? And there was, yeah, there was. Uh, it seemed like he was enthusiastic, especially even with uh, children. He. Uh, even he spent the first five months in Goa uh, mm-hmm. preaching preaching and ministering to the sick. And then uh, he would ring a bell to invite children to hear the word of God and talk to them about the catechism. And I believe he would even use uh, what, what we said before, Lori, the creative evangelization, mm-hmm. where he would uh, use the popular songs of the time to reach out to... Um, Especially to, children, yeah, I think to, they would learn that. <laughs> I think they about the with our own songs. Bishop Sullivan at every, our bishop here, Bishop Dennis Sullivan in Camden, every ordination he in, implores the priests, the seminarians about to be ordained. Um, he says, know the culture. Mm. You know, you got to know the culture to get into it, evangelize. And this is a perfect example of that. He knew these popular songs and he adapted them to teach the faith. That's, mm. that's amazing. That's true. 
And it seems like God came to his assistance as well because there were miracles of healing that seemed to frequently occur when he would visit these poor villages. Um, there was one story he was traveling in a basically pagan territory and he found out about a woman who had been in labor for three days and was possibly approaching death. It was getting that serious. And they had already called in midwives and sorcerers were, uh, you know, treating her with these sort of superstitious incantations. Um, so Xavier went to this woman's home and basically called on the name of Christ to heal her. And he began with the creed, which uh, the people who were traveling with him translated into their local language. And then basically said, by the mercy of God, this woman came to believe in the articles of faith and then was actually healed and able to deliver a healthy baby. So when the people in the, first of all, in the woman's family, they were so touched by this that they wanted um, Francis Xavier to stay and instruct them and tell them about the faith and even wanted all of them to be baptized, including the newborn baby. So he brought in a whole family into the church through that miracle. Um, and then word started to travel around the village. So sort of the, um, the, I guess they would describe them as like the chief men of the place and their families. They stepped forward first and were baptized and then everyone else followed. So God definitely accompanied his, his preaching and his evangelizing with miracles so that people would come to believe, which was beautiful. And he also went, he went to, uh, um, not only to Goa, India, but he went to, I think near Malaysia. That's right. The yeah. There, the the uh, islands of Maluka and, uh, or the Maluka islands. I don't know how to pronounce it. And then he went to Japan. Yes. Right. He went there for, it seemed like he, uh, he felt like, and it was he, over two years he was there, right, in Japan. I think, yeah, he had spent, I think, um, he spent a good portion of his life uh, traveling. Oh, I think for the, sure. Um, <laughs> and I think he, yeah. over about 10 years of missionary work, he wanted to go to Japan, and then he wanted to go to China, mm. too, right? And Yeah. But, well, Japan actually proved to be a little bit of a challenge, I think, for him, because he was apparently warmly received um, when he entered, but... Um, the local leaders forbade their subjects from converting to Christianity. So that that was one obstacle. So we had this legal obstacle put in place that they were sort of legally forbidden to convert. And then there was a language barrier, which he seemed to find the Japanese language a little bit, uh, well, it was different from anything he'd previously encountered. And of course, was a little bit more challenging to learn. So he had that sort of barrier to communication. Um, and then he found something interesting. So the Jesuits took vows of poverty, and in Europe, that was typically respected, that they would live very simple and poor lives. And that was a witness to the people there. But he discovered that in feudal Japan, that was not respected at all. So he determined he had to change his strategy a little bit if he was going to convince the Japanese people. So there was one occasion he was meeting with a local prince, and he actually arranged to have fine clothing and have his fellow missionaries come and wait on him. And he had gifts from India delivered to him. So it had the effect that he was hoping for. And it, it sort of improved his reputation among the that in that area among the Japanese people. So it was still difficult because he said the um, I think he wrote that they were not easily converted. They really held fast to the, the traditional Buddhist and the Shinto beliefs. But. Um, he was being creative <laughs> in, in, yeah. in getting through to people. And those who did convert, there were some, um, because of persecution that arose against Christianity. It was, it was there, it seems like, from the beginning. Um, they had to go underground with their beliefs. So while he did make some converts, the church there was underground when he left it, it seems. 
but that didn't stop him next his his uh eyes were set on china right yeah he, he wanted to go to china but then i believe en route he uh he passed away yes so they wouldn't 3rd. allow him to enter the mainland i believe and then he had to wait uh, on an island that was off mainland China for, I guess, three months and must have acquired sort of a, a serious illness while he was on that ship. And he died at a fairly young age, 46. Um, and we were we were talking beforehand about the the uh, where his, his body ended up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so at first he was buried on that island and then they thought, well, we can't really leave them there. So his body was removed um, and taken, I believe, back to, was it Spain? Is that where... I think his body, um, well, right now it's in Goa. Oh, Goa, okay, that's right. the Basilica of Bomb Jesus. Again, I'm sorry if I'm butchering that. Um, (laughs) So back, interesting. So he's in India. He's very beloved in India, as I understand it, even today, right? Yeah. But um, I believe they took some of his bones, and his right arm is actually still on display in Rome, because that was the arm used to bless converts. So that's in Rome. And then um, another arm bone was taken to part of China. So he literally um, stayed in a lot of the places where he <laughs> where he evangelized, right? Where he was a missionary. Yeah, I think I was going to... You know, I have here on my notes here, it's his life an example of how one's life can go in a different direction. Oh, but that's true. Also, his body is in different directions <laughs> um, right now. So, I mean, praise be the Lord. Thank you for St. Francis Xavier. And the other thing, I, you know, I forgot to mention, too, and um, the phrase I think of is happy accidents. It seems mm-hmm. like it was very, um, he didn't see it happening, but the Lord got it because initially when he was going to go to, um, when he was sent to the East Indies, uh, this all got, this all came to plan because John the Third of Portugal wanted three men to go, okay. wanted six men actually to go, and told Ignatius, and Ignatius said, uh, you can have two. Mm. Uh, this he told Simon Rodriguez and Nicholas Bobadilla, who were going to go to Goa. But at the last minute, Bobadilla got really sick, oh. and then Xavier was the replacement. Oh, wow. And so... All right. I yeah. That is a happy um, accident for Goa. For he sure. um, it's just yeah. It's uh, what is that 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 phrase I think about? You know, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Uh, that's true. So, because he had a completely uh, completely different one. It sounded like for Xavier, it's not how his life initially wanted to go, but he realized where he needed to be. That's true. Um, and uh, I had read somewhere that they described him as um, completing a staggering amount of missionary work in just 10 years. So from yeah. May of 1542 to December of 1552, when he died, he had visited uh, at least three different countries. He Historians placed the number of his baptisms at about 30,000 people, though apparently the lore said it could be much higher than that, like hundreds huh. of thousands of people. But I guess we really don't know. But they're saying at least 30,000 we can historically uh, pinpoint. So that's incredible just from one man's preaching and, and uh, apostolic work. He's probably in the, uh, in the, in the League of St. Paul. Mm. maybe do you think probably not quite because we could see yeah that paul i think his reach was a little bit further (laughs) and he's considered an apostle so at the time of christ but you're right in the same vein in the same sort of like that's the 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 next wave of those powerful missionaries for sure yeah and there's so many uh so many different organizations and schools. I know there's Xavier University, mm-hmm. a Jesuit college, and uh, there's there's high schools and uh, 
lot of different places bear his name and continue to get his name out. And I believe he's also known as the Apostle of the Indies and Mm. Apostle of Japan. Yes. So he still is, uh, he still has that devotion there. And I imagine his feast day is celebrated huge in India. (laughs) I would imagine because of his work there for sure. And the fact that his body's still there, that's awesome for the people he evangelized. Yeah, Pretty well, cool. I think hopefully, I know we, we talked about, um, if you were curious about St. Ignatius of Loyola, we did do, we did record a podcast on him earlier, and I think the next one we talked about is St. Peter Faber. We gotta, <laughs> That's right, we'll shoot for that we next year. We should do year. an Ignatian <laughs> series, you know, the... Um, the Jesuit saints. Yes, yes. Um, but anything yes, else? Yes, so he was, he was canonized um, with oh, yeah. St. Ignatius by Gregory the fifteenth in 1622. Um, and later named the patron saint of all foreign missions. So I guess yeah. it's him and St. Therese of Lisieux. If you are planning to be a foreign missionary, you can ask for their intercession. Or even being a local missionary, a missionary disciple right in your own hometown. Exactly. They would pray for us too, right? I, I think so. And I think we can we can model his, uh, his fearlessness in going to these places. He logged a lot of miles. Um, but he he knew the culture. I think it was tough for him in some regard to learn the languages. Mm. He did learn them, but it wasn't easy. I think some reports said that they people said they thought it was easy, but um, it it wasn't for it was him. A he, yeah. he had tough, but what what instead you know he he was able to adapt uh, the faith to different songs and different the cultures that these children that these individuals knew, and he um, he performed miracles, and That's he. True. Uh, and yeah, God, he he showed up with zeal, and mm-hmm. God showed up to support him with the uh, <laughs> the miracles, and people's faith were was enkindled. So beautiful. Yeah. But even if we don't have miracles, we could still share our faith for sure. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure Francis Xavier. I'm sure he didn't have. A, obviously, when he had so many challenges, there weren't miracles all the time. It wasn't always easy, but he still persevered. So That's we can too. Thing. Yeah, I know. I think I think even if we even if we we uh, yeah, I, I like what you said. You know, even if we're like, oh, you know, I can't perform a miracle, like Francis Xavier or other saints, we can still do our own little work for the Lord and take small steps, um, especially in the season of Advent. Yeah, maybe we can mention preparing for the coming of Christ. Uh, we can do that by just um, having that. You know, I, I'm saying it again, but I guess maybe for me, the fearless faith to uh, to go where to go to go maybe out of your comfort zone mm. and in whatever capacity that is. Um, and uh, and try to try to preach the gospel or, you know, if that's through if that's through writing, if that's through talking to somebody, um, I think it can be a lot of different forms. Mm. So, or, or at mass, you know, helping out at your church. Absolutely. You know, that's, that can be in a very, or even how you live your life, that living your life a way, you know, how you comport yourself, your manners, the way you talk, that can have an evangelical impact on people. I believe. I agree. So I know, Lori, that's what I think about the season of Advent. How am I preparing for Christ and how... How are you helping others? Exactly. Yeah. What about you? What were you? And you know, we're we're at the beginning of Advent here. 
So uh, I have been listening to a little uh, daily Advent video that's reflecting on the sermons of St. Alphonsus Liguori, and he was pretty intense, I have to tell you. So today's message was, we're very busy about the affairs of our lives, you know, making sure we can, you know, take care of our homes and pay our bills and, and, you know, all the different things that we have to do day to day. But what are we doing in terms of um, our salvation? What did we do for our souls today? So we want to be as busy about the affairs of our soul and our salvation as we are about just the everyday things, especially during this season when it, it gets so overwhelming with preparing for Christmas in terms of cleaning the house and buying gifts and sending cards and all the things we need to plan for. But taking time every day to um, prepare your soul for Christ, too, was his message today. So, yeah, I think St. Francis Xavier would agree. I think it would, too. You know, he prepared so many for Christ. Thousands, mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands yes. for Christ. And so we can pray to him. We can pray to his uh, Jesuit squad. Yes. Uh, Peter Faber, St. Peter Faber, and Saint of Loyola, too. I'm sure there are others as well. But yes, they were at the beginning, the foundation, right? Yes, yes. So, um, All right, shall we close with a prayer to uh, good. Francis? Oh God, you used Francis Xavier to take the Christian message to the East. You inspired his teaching, supported him in his work for the poor, sick, and oppressed, and strengthened him in times of loneliness and trial. May we who are inspired by the life of St. Francis Xavier imitate his virtues and come to our eternal joy with you. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Francis Xavier. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.